0: This podcast is supported by Anchor FM. If you've ever thought about doing your own podcast, then check out Anchor FM. Anchor FM is a free podcast platform that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or your tablet if you got one. I really can't recommend these guys enough. It was worth switching over from another platform. Once you set up your podcast, Anchor FM will automatically distribute it to all other platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or such and such. It's very easy, very streamlined, and you can start making money immediately. Download the free Anchor app or log on to Anchor.fm to get started. This is a Kitty Pod production. Welcome to C.R. Crime, the only podcast featuring stories of true crime in New York's Capital Region. I'm your host, Jason Bullitt, whom you may recall as also being the host of the Keep It to Yourself podcast, of which this is an offshoot. This week, we mark a milestone anniversary of an area community by discussing an infamous fire that took place there. It's also noteworthy as it's our first ever cold case. But first, a look at said community. Celebrating its sesquicentennial a $10 word meaning 150th anniversary, in the dreadful year 2020, the city of Cohoes, New York sits near both the confluence of the Mohawk and Hudson Rivers, as well as the meeting place of Albany, Saratoga, and Rensselaer counties. Its moniker of the Spindle City came from the textile industry, and the important part it played in the community's growth in the mid-19th century. The Harmony Mills being the chief employer in town. Nowadays, the mills serve as luxury apartments, which opened in 2013 after an eight-year renovation project and spurred a revitalization where new businesses sprung up in the city. Cohoes became a city in 1869, which sounds confusing to your narrator as the city fathers designated this year, for now, non-existent 150th anniversary celebrations. The city lent its name to both a fossilized mastodon, whose remains were found during the construction of the 3rd Harmony Mill and is proudly displayed at the New York State Museum in Albany, and Cohoes Falls, whose rapids mostly provide electrical power for a hydroelectric dam. On November 30th, 2017, a fire struck Cohoes and put the town on the map for all the wrong reasons. 31 buildings on Remsen Street, the city's main drag, were either damaged or destroyed after a city resident tried and failed to imitate a sword-forging technique he had seen on the Discovery Channel series Forged in Fire. However, it was another suspicious fire four decades earlier that we'll be discussing this week. As the old Saw from the Peanuts comic strip often said, it was a dark and stormy night, and such was the case on the night of June 2, 1978. The Grotto family, eight of them in number, had planned to go see a marathon of horror films at the Tri-Cities Drive-In Theater in Menands, where your narrator works in the present day, as of recording. However, Mother Nature ended up thwarting those plans, and the family returned to Cohoes and their home on 108-110 Ontario Street. John Grotto Jr., a 31-year-old unemployed truck driver, and his 29-year-old wife Virginia were already in a troubled marriage. Like many large families in this part of upstate New York, they were scratching and surviving to make ends meet. To make matters worse, Virginia, who worked as a cosmetic salesperson at the time and was the obvious breadwinner of the family, was three months pregnant with a ninth member of the family, thus expanding an already large family amid an air of financial hardship and domestic abuse. Grotto the elder, who had already been taken to the bottle during the course of their marriage, had already abused and in one case admitted to, abusing the two eldest children, Evelyn and Eleanor, on separate occasions. For the record, the other children to Virginia and John's name were Francis, Edward, and two four-month-old twins, Sarah and Patricia. The next morning, the Spindle City awoke to news that the Ontario Street home had burned to the ground. Suffice it to say, all occupants of the house did not survive, save for one noteworthy exception. Virginia Grotto. When questioned by Cahos police, Virginia stated that she had fallen asleep after watching the late news on the night in question, only to be awoken when one of the twins cried in the crib she shared with her sister. Virginia ran out the front door crying for help, and further told police that she was unable to breathe owing to the acrid smoke that had encased the house. The search for the rest of the Grotto family was, to say the least, emotional for the firefighters who responded to the scene of the blaze. Raymond Lamora, then the city's fire chief, would be haunted by the sight of the charred house and the reaction among his subordinates for years afterwards, according to a Brendan Lyons piece that ran in the Albany Times Union on July 26, 2010. Lamora also spotted Virginia Grotto, the sight of whom made him suspicious and figured that she set the house afire. Lamora's suspicions, as well as those of the authorities and the community at large, were corroborated somewhat when she concocted an alibi wherein she said that the family had gone camping and they weren't in the area. All this despite the fact that there were slight burn marks on her face, mainly from running out of the house as the flames shot up and engulfed it. Not too long after her husband and seven children were buried, Virginia Grotto had fled not only Cohoes, but New York State. For context, Grotto had stated that she had gotten into the family Chevrolet Corvair, asked an unknown person to move their truck out of the way, and said, quote, I want to get the heck out of here and never come back, end quote. Grotto did just that, moving clear across the country to the small town of Okanagan in Washington State, a good 40 miles or so from the Canadian border as the crow flies. She married Norman Uttegaard, a farmer of an apple orchard, in Coeur Idaho, on July 14, 1978. According to both WTEN, our region's ABC affiliate in 1978, then as now, and KXLY, ABC in the Spokane area in 2010, likewise, she married Odegaard after answering an advertisement in the local newspaper. In late March of 2010, investigators flew from the Empire State to Okanagan, in order to interview Odegaard about this three decades-old fire. They left with virtually no new information, other than that she returned to the house to retrieve her purse, or so she said, and continued denials of stirring the blaze, so why they bothered to make the trip in the first place is beyond even the ken of your narrator. In April of 1979, a mere ten months after the fire, a grand jury in Albany County Court had determined that it was indeed an arson. While investigators here in New York's capital region set their sights on grotto slash strike out that which does not apply to you, for lack of emotion, the common trait of any criminal there were also two brothers who also may have been involved. On the night of June 2nd through 3rd, 1978, John Kilduff stood at the scene of the fire, and thus was one of the first witnesses to same. John, a taxi driver, harbored a reputation for showing up randomly at Inferno's during that time waiting to help when it was not really warranted, stretching back into the previous decade. In early 1964, there was a house fire across the Hudson River in Troy, wherein nine children, ranging in ages from 2 to 18, were killed. Over a year and a half later, John and his brother George were witnessing an abandoned shirt factory engulfed in flames when police apprehended them and hauled them in for questioning. Detectives in Troy questioned both brothers about the earlier fire, where they had been spotted pulling out the children's bodies. At first they were charged with arson and first degree murder, but an appellate court threw out the charges, stating that the detectives had coerced them into both copying to the charges and admitting to setting a total of 14 fires in the Collar City. Back to 1978, and Kilduff told the Times Union that he was driving his taxi cab in Cohoes, when he spied the fire on Ontario Street, and radioed for help, and then jumped out of his cab to assist before the fire department arrived. John Kilduff later said that he had driven Grotto, whom he did not know, in his cab, and the Cajos authorities ruled him out as being a suspect in the case. Over 40 years later, while Virginia Grotto was initially the suspect from the jump, the true suspect of the Cahos arson of June 1978 may never be determined, thus making this, for all intent and purpose, a cold case. Thanks for listening to this episode of C.R. Crime, the only podcast dealing with stories of true crime in New York's Capital Region. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, go listen to this and the Keep It To Yourself podcast both on the same feed thanks to Anchor FM. This podcast is also available for you to listen and download on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcaster of your choice. Give us a good rating, a good write-up, tell your friends. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you next week.